1: Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview.
0: Hello and welcome to another exciting uh, episode of the Comic Book Yeti Cryptid Creator Corner. Um, This is uh, the interview content editor, uh, Jimmy Gasparro. And I am so excited today. I have two creators here to talk about their upcoming image comic, Golden Rage. Um, This is being billed as Battle Royale meets uh, the Golden Girls. And um, I am here with writer, although uh, she's also an editor and a poet, uh, the writer of the current comic, Chrissy Williams, and artist uh, Lauren Knight. Uh, Chrissy and Lauren, welcome uh, to the comic book yeti podcast
2: hello thank you very much for having us it's yeah, exciting
0: to be on. um first off uh, i i've seen some preview pages uh from golden rage the first issue should be in comic book shops august 3rd which will probably be right around the time we release this podcast so you you should be able to well after as soon as you're done listening run to your local comic shop or go online and pick up this first issue um, I mean, first off, I'm a huge Golden Girls fan. Uh, I don't know how much comedy is is in this. I, I think Golden Girls is one of the, the, the best comedy uh, series, uh, television series of all time. I understand with the Battle Royale element that uh, this is going to be a, a little different, but um, everything I've read and seen about this series looks amazing, um, especially right now. It feels like... It's uber relevant in terms of the content. So, uh, Chrissy, why don't we start with you? Just tell me a little bit about like this series, and you know what led you to wanna you know tell this story in, in terms of the writing of it.
2: Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's set in a dystopian future where older women have been deemed useless to society and cast away, and it, as you say, it really doesn't feel that far away from our own our own society. <laughs> um, where the idea originally sprang from was watching Mad Max Fury Road. And you know that scene where they go out and they end up in the desert with um, all of those amazing, badass older women who are just living out there quite happily, hard as nails. It's that, just this amazing thing. I was surprised at myself that I got quite emotional seeing that moment in the cinema because we so rarely see old women who are capable and tough and self-sufficient and that was kind of the start of something there the idea for me that I wanted them to be the protagonists Um, and then the idea of them being abandoned cast away on an island immediately made me think of battle royale so you bring in yeah, you bring in the, the the violence and the action from there, but Battle Royale has its own really dark sense of humor as well. But as soon as you start talking about an entire cast of older women, it feels like the Golden Girls is unavoidably <laughs> there as well. So um, although it's not like a straight comedy by any means, it has, I think, the lightness and the heart of the Golden Girls. Um, and a few one-liners here and there, but um, yeah, it's it really is a sort of blend of something kind of action and um, violent with something soft and kind at the same time.
0: Okay, um, you you sometimes have seen in you know television shows or, or movies where they'll have like one one character who is maybe, for lack of a better phrase, like a grizzled older woman who is is quite capable but usually that's kind of like a like a a trope that's used over and over again so to take a a a whole cast of characters who are very competent and capable you know older women seems very unique in in terms of this this type of setting so lauren when when you first came on board um you know what was I guess, most important to you in terms of showing the, like, the humanity of these characters, to take them out of that idea of a trope and really make them, you know, real people who live on the page?
1: I think, um, for me, I approach, whenever I'm drawing characters, I approach it from an emotional sense. I want to make sure I get the emotion through on every panel kind of thing. So I just want always, whenever I'm drawing them, I'm thinking, what are they feeling in this moment kind of thing? So that's really... Angle I took it from
0: and yes yeah, some of the face acting from uh, some of the panels that I've seen in terms of the preview there's one in particular where one of the characters is in the foreground I'm not sure what but something going on in the background and she's just giving a bit of a side eye and you that look <laughs> it, it captures that look so so perfectly of someone, you know, kind of still keeping an eye on what's going on behind them, wondering what is up. Is somebody plotting against them? What is this? Like, I, I don't know the context quite yet, but that yeah. look is, is, is just really spot on. Like I felt like it nailed <laughs> it. And I'm like, oh, I, I can't wait to see the rest of it.
1: I think the say eye is one of my trademarks. So
0: that's a great trademark. Uh, you know, um, I think is it, am I correct that this is a planned, at least for this first arc? Um I don't know if there's gonna be more, but planned five issues.
2: Yes. Yep, that's
0: right. Okay. So Chrissy, how how do you work in terms of kind of like uh, you know, pacing that out? When you have an idea like this, do you outline, you know, everything before you get into um to scripting? How does your 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 writing process work? I I mean I know you an editor on some absolutely incredible series like the wicked and the divine and die which um i have all my 25 issues somewhere in in my bedroom which i loved um you know so editing series like that which you know have a couple of different arcs and are planned out ha- did that impact your own writing and your own approach what to planning this out
2: um I think, yeah, I think having already seen that side of how the sausage gets made um, made me kind of more aware of of the process involved in trying to like pitch a new comic as a, basically as a new kind of team. I feel like we've sort of put ourselves together as a new gang taken from, everyone's come from their own different discrete experiences. Um, I think, so first came the idea and then I thought I have to write an issue of this first to see if I can make it work. So I wrote the first issue okay. and just kind of bounced it off a couple of friends to see, you know, just what the initial feedback was. Um, It was not very good. It was it was not very good. <laughs> I, um, I was I think I was trying to take it a little bit more. I think I was trying to take it a bit more purer comedy than actually. What we've ended up with which as I said is this really nice mix of uh, kind of weight and action and, and it's a, uh, the way that I've been saying is like it is a stabby action comic but it's also about community and it's about grief and aging and it's about fertility and you know it's 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 there's a lot of stuff going on in there And I needed to try and write out the voices in that first issue because in the first issue, you meet the the core cast and try and get them to make sense first. So once I had the first issue down, um, it went through a couple of revisions and then the voices really started to solidify. The characters really started to solidify. And then, um, yeah, wrote the the synopsis for the whole five issues and then sort of went on from there. Um,
0: Oh, wow. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, both of you, in terms of your collaboration, like once you came on board, Lauren, you know, how did that work in terms of, um, you know, plotting it out in terms of the panels and, and the two of you, were there, what was it instant, you know, agreement, you know, when in creating this team or were there any spots where, you know, we have to, we have to work through some things as you went on?
1: I think it was pretty seamless for me Um I wouldn't want to see the script for the next issue until I had finished drawing the first one because then I would want oh, to get okay. impatient and want to jump ahead kind of thing so yeah I kind of discovered that as I was going along what was happening to the characters as well so yeah and I think it was pretty seamless for me um, I don't know how it was for Chrissy <laughs>
2: No I would I think because it just felt like for starters, your art style just feels perfect for this because it, you've got quite a strong kind of flavor for horror. And and so that's perfect. When you're trying to write something that then has touches of humor to it as well, you need to be able to land the grim stuff
1: yeah.
2: if you want to disrupt it with sort of some comic text. But so the, the atmosphere from the start was great. And you were just, I think, I don't know, it just felt like you jumped in so wholeheartedly and and just fell in love with the characters in a way that was so exciting and yeah it was fun actually just then seeing your reaction to new scripts and just (laughs) that that was a useful thing for me as well um as I was going through so no it has it's been really I think incredibly, you use the word seamless, it's not always been my experience working in comics, that seamless no. it's been really smooth, it's been really lovely, yeah. Oh, well, That's yeah,
1: fantastic. Think, um, and, um, sorry, I think it helped no, no, well because ahead. this was um, my first ongoing as well, so I don't know, I didn't know what to expect going into it, but I think it was fine.
2: Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> all... <laughs> They're always like this. They're absolutely straightforward. <laughs> Nothing goes wrong and everyone gets along brilliantly.
0: Uh, uh Yeah. From from uh, interviews I've conducted, that is not, uh, in other comics <laughs> I've seen, that is not always the case. Um, <laughs> and, with, and, and to mention the rest of the, the creative team, it's colorist Sophie Dodson, uh, letterer Becca Carey, and uh, editor uh, Jomet Gill. Uh, so it's uh fantastic creative team all around um the the if the battle royale meets golden girls wasn't enough of a a hook for me the 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 cover the cover of issue one like i guess it's just i don't know if there's variants but the a cover is just fantastic (laughs) so how did that come about with that look of it i mean it it just looks Fantastic. I, there's no other word for it. How, how did that cover come about?
1: Um, there was actually a lot of back and forth on the cover, that, what we wanted, because um, I don't think Chrissy didn't want, you didn't want to have a face on or a main character featured. He wanted to be more, I don't know, like a mystery that makes someone pick it up to find out what's going on with these big wrinkly hands. <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, there must have been about six other variations of it. That we looked at before we settled on this one. Um, and I think even after I drew that very early on in the whole process for the pitch. And we thought we would come back and do another cover for issue one. But in the end, that was still the best option. So we went with that one.
2: Yeah, I think there's it, yeah. something in it that um that captures like the atmosphere and the horror and the darkness of it, but then the big spangly grandma. <laughs> bracelet introduce this kind of uh, kind of (laughs) scooby-doo raised eyebrow moment and i feel like it's the perfect little little uh attention grabber or something for what's going on
0: yeah i'm i also like the positioning of the hands where it could be that this person has caused some type of violence it could be that they've come across a victim and their hands are covered in that person's blood so there's there's some element of interpretation and and what you bring to it and and yeah the juxtaposition of uh of the hands and the blood and the big dangly grandma um bracelet it it's it it really just makes you i i need if you see it on a stand, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I I need to see what this is about and what is inside this and what, what I'm getting myself into. Um, so well done. I really love the cover.
1: Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm just having to mute my mic because my dog is harassing someone outside.
0: That's I'm a dog person. So I get it. That's, uh, that's fine. Um, (laughs) um, so in in terms of some of the aspects of, of the comic itself, and we understand that this near dystopian society has now kind of banished um, older women, um, it, what else can we expect about exploring this world and I guess the world of the mainland in the comic?
2: So um, I think I can, sort of safely say that our focus is really on these women now and the community now rather than um, on the mainland itself so we spend a lot of time really digging into like who are these women here how have they built up their lives here you know immediately you kind of think of them abandoned you think of Uh, you know in those opening preview pages it's just this kind of carnage free-for-all everyone trying to grab supplies there's no sense of you know community or anything there but so gradually we piece together what is it actually like to live on an island when you've all been abandoned and who clubs together and who doesn't and who thinks that they deserve a little bit more than everyone else and who likes to give back and we're sort of looking at those kinds of dynamics across all these different pockets of women that live across the island while still following it through from our kind of core our little core cast um there may be more to come about the mainland but I think it's okay to say you know for this arc it's very much focused on the women and their experiences um, and their uh, stopping as well. (laughs) Uh,
0: When, um, when creating the, the core cast, um, you know, in in terms of, uh, both the writing and in the, the artwork, um, were there particular characters that you, you know, you thought about and and maybe this is a, a, a person I'm, I'm, you know, modeling a character after, or, you know, a particular look uh, in terms of your design of some of the characters, Lauren, um, were there any real people that, you know, or or folks that you kind of modeled aspects on it in terms of the writing and the art?
1: Uh, Well, Chrissy did have a few um, references for me to look at for people that she wanted, um, kind of like the way for me to go, but I didn't really stick to them that much. just because, I don't know, when I'm designing characters, I'll probably draw a thousand sketches until I can actually carve out what this person looks like in my head. Um, but for Rosie, I made her really buff, but I thought uh, it would be all right to get away with it because it just kept thinking about um, my granny was a 6 foot tall ginger lady, so I was like, it's not that <laughs> unusual. <laughs> so I could probably make this woman really big and get away with it.
2: Okay. Yeah, you did an amazing job. Rosie is the woman, is the buff, strong Italian woman in the preview pages who kind of battles her way through with uh, uh, slamming people out of the way with a suitcase. Um, Yeah, Lauren did an amazing job interpreting the characters and making them all, because when you're writing, you want to try and make the characters feel different to each other, obviously, but she did such a good job in really, I think, making them all feel so unique Um, and yeah agreed like I'm now following like the instagrams of several quite elderly female bodybuilders who are so impressive so incredibly above and beyond I feel like anything I could do with my body right now Um, yeah there's, there's a mix of sort of aspirational um, older bodies, but there's also a mix of these, as you say, real life people and t- in terms of the characters. I feel like there's a bit of myself in all the core cast, but there's certainly a bit of my mum in at least a couple of them. There's my <laughs> bit of my partner's mum in a couple of them. Like there's a sort of weird mix of different traits of um, types of people's mums yeah yeah also
1: like the old lady that stands at the bus stop kind of thing
2: yeah 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 oh god there's yeah later on we have yeah well i won't say anything about that but there's some really fun um as i said as we're exploring the whole island and we get to meet some really fun other characters that i think lauren had so much fun with designing (laughs) yeah yeah and
0: um, Christy, one of the things you said about you know what what is it really like to live you know on an island? Um, you know, I, you I, you can certainly you know craft a story, but and, and imagining what that that might be like. But did you like dig into t- terms of uh, in terms of research and talk like look into like scarcity of resources and like other cultures that have maybe been isolated on an island? Like, did you? Dig into any like real life situations.
2: Um, I have some survival manuals like here that I read. I'm, I don't think I'm ready to write my own survivalist's manual, or, or possibly even <laughs> I'm not ready to survive. But if I can on an island, either. But um, yeah, I definitely was interested in just thinking. Okay, if if we were you know dumped on this place, what would be the things you would look for? What would be the first things that you would need? and what would help you. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's not as if I'm kind of itemizing them all in the comic, but I hope that peripherally you get this sense of these lives really lived. They've had to kind of carve out this existence over over a a long while, Um, yeah.
0: And then, you know, Lauren, in in terms of like kind of dovetailing off of that, in terms of some of the peripheral stuff in the background, were things, you know, tightly scripted for you or did you have some Freedom to kind of, you know, interpret and and um, you know make the world feel a little bit more lived in in terms of your artwork.
1: I think it was kind of kept open for me to interpret how I felt what would look best. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only a couple of uh, world building things where that stuck in where we don't have any candles. That was a thing that <laughs> came out from the start. Okay. No candles. Um, so no and there was a few locations sorry that's me <laughs> there's a few locations about um but there's a lot of caves as well <laughs> so i i just kind of went with what was in the script and i i'm in scotland so for whenever we're outdoors and wandering about i would just go outside and take some photos <laughs> and based <laughs> on that in,
0: in I... terms of like uh, other rep oh i'm sorry chrissy go ahead
2: Oh, I was just going to say that um, I think it's worth talking about Sophie's Colours as well, having done an amazing job at, you know, me writing, as Lauren says, you know, the first issue, the first, well, as we said, there there are some caves involved in the storytelling, which, yes, uh, we've had to sort of figure out how do you, how do you like those? How do you make those work? How do you make the artwork beautiful? when the writer has been stupid enough to set it all in a really dimly lay environment um something that i uh, i tried to change going forwards but yeah um sophie has done like amazingly in terms of the coloring and some of the stuff that she does with uh, uh night light. some of the stuff she does with firelight is yeah. absolutely yeah. gorgeous and amazing um so yeah she she did a great job yeah
1: yeah, you can uh, even see that yeah, in the but, preview pages for issue one on the double page spread. That looks amazing. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, that's
0: what I, I was going to say. That the um the pages that I've seen in terms of the firelight, like that that color that it's you know it, it almost looks like dusk, but um mm-hmm. every everything's well lit. The shadow work, which is done in both the artwork and the coloring, it it really it it looks really. Fantastic! I think there's a couple of panels where characters are backlit by the fire mm. and that looks really, really good, um, like really, really well done. And then, I mean, Becca Carey is a phenomenal letterer, um, just unbelievable lettering work in terms of drawing your eye, in, in terms of helping with the and adding to the pacing of the comic. Um, yeah, just what a team
2: <laughs> yeah we've i we i think lucked out so much it's been really nice and you just you know when you just kind of you can feel everyone's enthusiasm for the project i think there's there's something about the kind of uniquely uh like daft elevator pitch world of it that that has just meant everyone who's got involved has just kind of jumped on board and been so awesome um uh, yeah Everyone's done an amazing
1: job. <laughs> <laughs> I think it shows the end product that we all had fun. So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, I can't, I can't wait to uh, to get my hands on it. I think I ordered my copy for uh, it'll be at my local shop here in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, where I am <laughs> <laughs> recording right now. Um, was there? I mean, I guess maybe you can't answer this for stuff moving forward but as kind of uh we've seen especially here in the in the us so many recent you know political developments um you know in particular thinking of the our supreme court overturning roe v wade and and some of the other developments that have happened recently was there ever anything where you're writing something that's like a near dystopian and um older women on an island and and some of those issues, did you ever think that it did ever become like almost too much to write? I've talked to other writers who are writing scenario, writing books that have almost been prophetic. Like we're writing about something and then like real life is almost like too dark. Did it ever ever become difficult where I have to lighten this up or I wanna tackle this or I wanna pivot because of something that actually happened in the real world and the, you know, why you've been working on it the past several months or, or longer?
2: Um, in terms of writing the scripts, the scripts were all completed right at the very start of this year. And okay I feel honestly I feel I feel relieved actually that the story that it's all written, you know, the whole comic, Lauren's already drawn the whole comic. Um obviously we can still change stuff and let you know there's still all that maneuverability. But I mean fundamentally the comic is already is already in its sort of finished form. And I am relieved in a way because I think the the Roe v. Wade overturning could could very much have affected my writing process it's just you know we're we're based in the UK and I just feel like we we look at America kind of taking that step backwards and it feels like it takes us all back with it you know it's 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 just so so it's so horrific to watch Um, in terms of what is actually in the comic then yeah I mean the implication of wanting to relegate women you know cast these women away after they hit a certain age there is that implication that it is connected therefore that their usefulness is seen as connected to their fertility their ability to create or not create children and that immediately you know as as we dive into each of the characters as we look at the community you know we see different reasons why they've come different struggles that they all had in their own way and it um as I said at the start, it's 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 just terrifying because you're writing a dystopia, but it just really doesn't feel too far away from from you know how many more steps backwards would it take for us to start treating women that way as well. Yeah, I I, I will just I guess I will just say I hope that the mix we have is going to still work for people even in this landscape because it is bleak and it is dark in places and it is hard in places, but like life itself, there's moments of lightness, there's moments of humor. There's, you know, there's moments where you get to celebrate as well. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I I hope we've done enough on that front that it has a bit of both.
0: Yeah, life is is never just well, for the most part, it's never all just one thing. So, and, yeah. um, I like when, you know, what I read or watch, uh, re- reflects that, um, at Lauren, I wanted to ask you, uh, in the, on the image comics, uh, website, um, it, there's something you said that, uh, oh, when no. Knight added, <laughs> my, my brand is angry women and golden rage. Let me play around with characters. We don't get to see enough of in media. Um, which, fantastic quote, Uh, (laughs) what a fantastic sentence. Um, Well, I I should go on to read, Uh, read this if you're looking for great examples on how to age disgracefully (laughs) and per granny on granny violence with a gratuitous uh, side side helping of heart. I mean, if that doesn't convince anybody to pick up the comic, nothing will. Um, So, is that something you've like said before? Developed in terms of your artwork, uh, that your brand is is angry women.
1: I think in drawing Golden Rage, I kind of came to realize that. <laughs> so I just <laughs> like to draw angry women, but angrier the better. <laughs> oh,
0: uh, do you use yourself or friends or you know for for well, reference photos in yeah. terms of face acting? Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: you don't want to see what's on my phone. <laughs> it's just nonsense. <non-fiction. laughs> <laughs> photos of me scowling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
0: that's fantastic. Um uh and look, well, uh Chrissy, I I wanted to talk to you a little bit about just to pivot a little bit from from Golden Rage because I know that you're also a poet. Um I think your book of poetry Low is out now, right?
2: Yep. Yes, it is. I and think you... it's out in America as well. Uh, yeah.
0: And you also, you edit um, Perverse magazine, a poetry magazine. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just, uh, I, I was, you know, researching before we, before we sat down to try and find some of your poems to kind of get a sense of some of the stuff that, that you've written before. And um, I mean, has writing poetry, you think, has it influenced your, comic writing at all i mean in terms of you know comics aren't particularly wordy um there's sometimes rules that i don't think necessarily have to be followed about how many you know you can't have more than x amount of words in a speech bubble and those types of things but do you think writing poetry has influenced your comic writing or do do you think they're just like two separate parts of you
2: no it's definitely influenced it it's I mean, my interest in poetry is is about an interest in language and how we communicate and how we express ourselves. And a lot of what I do in poetry as well is kind of messing around with punctuation and how words look on the page just to sort of get different effects and different pauses and different pacing. Um, So I'm really interested in how uh, comics, which, as you say, comics is a visual medium. So when you do use text, it really has to count. And I think, or I hope that my my kind of interest in language and poetry means that I'm always trying to, like I'm always trying to remove text and edit it down rather than like throw in, <laughs> throw in a bunch more. I presume everyone is right, because that would be a stupid way to be a comic book writer if you just constantly <laughs> add in more words. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah, then you're <laughs> a novelist. <laughs> well,
2: exactly, exactly. Um, It's, yeah, no, it does. I mean, I've also, I've worked in the past with uh, some comics artists. So I used to run this kind kind of collective working on poetry comics, where we'd get a bunch of poets and a bunch of comics artists in a room together, normally in the back room of a pub somewhere. And the poets would bring snatches of words and phrases from poems they hadn't finished yet. And the artists would bring old sketchbooks and like, or sit there and sketch a new stuff. And all of these pieces of work would get kind of tossed into the middle of the table. And then everyone would reach in, we'd have scissors, we'd have glue. It would become about collaging and repurposing all these ideas into something called poetry comics, which there's a great journal in America um, called Inkbrick, which just does poetry comics. But the idea being what happens to what happens to poetry when you give it a visual narrative? And mm-hmm. what happens to comics when you take action narrative out of comics and you make it more about atmospheric sort of like the MacLeod moment, mo- is it moment, to, um, um, atmosphere? <laughs> so sorry, um, I'm getting the uh, the example wrong, but it's, it's what happens when you take the narrative drive away, and you're left with trying to build atmosphere and mood and emotion. Um, And it's a really different way of looking at how text and image interacts. Um, This Golden Rage is, I would say, very conventional though, in terms of how the text and the art interact. There's not, there's maybe a couple of emotional beats where it feels like it's veering off into something slightly different, but by and large, I'd say the biggest impact the poetry's had is just uh, trying to make the words good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, uh, well, I, I guess that's um, I guess that's the goal, right?
2: Writer, <laughs> <laughs> make word good. Oh, yes. Very
0: fun. Uh, <clears throat> that reminds me of an old. There's a Steve Martin had one of his albums, Wild and crazy guy from I guess the I don't know when it was out in the 70s but a bunch of like non-sequitur type jokes and one of them that I always loved from when I was a kid he would say some of people some people have a way with words and some not have way
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> to steal from uh Steve Martin but if you're going to steal steal from the best so um
2: absolutely uh
0: I, so uh, I don't want to, I you know, uh, keep either of you too much longer. But um, you know, I just kind of wanted to to talk about uh, anything else that you have uh, coming out that uh, listeners or readers of comic book Yeti can look forward to. I I think I saw um, uh, Chrissy the the D- Die Hard is going to
2: be coming out soon. Is that right? Yes, in. I believe it's the start of November. It's just it's right before Christmas, basically. And in fact, I just signed off the final proof for it today. Um, it does look gorgeous, um, you know, one of those big image hardcovers, nice and shiny, a little bit of foil, um, with all of the all of the dye issues all together, and all of um, the back matter or the essays, the interviews, all the other stuff as well. The oh wow! Yeah, it's 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 a nice it's a nice thing i do like hardcovers i really do have like a soft spot for a nice big weighty brick of a of a book a right.
0: weapon yeah a weapon yeah um, i <laughs> mean some co- some comics have back matter die has like capital b back matter <laughs>
2: <laughs> you did ask me the question earlier about research perhaps i would say that uh, my research has not been as much as the research that like Kieran did on die but also that no one's research could ever be as much because that was one incredibly detailed amazingly well researched um series so yeah 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 i
0: mean that's a shining example of anyone that thinks uh, you know comic books is not a serious medium yeah. i mean die is you could hand just about anybody and 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 say you're not i i, I think you're you might not be smart enough to understand this. because <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's so well researched. And I mean, and Stephanie Hans, I, it's just, it's gorgeous. Um, like, you know, in, in, incredible. Um, so Lauren, um, I, this is your, I guess, first ongoing series. You said earlier, mm-hmm. are there any other things that you're, you're you know, currently um. working
1: on? Well, I'll have issues two through five of this coming out also. <laughs> and I have another issue for something else, but I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it yet. Um All right. yes. Lots to come, well, we'll out be, you, hopefully.
0: We'll be on the lookout uh for whatever that may be. And I'm I'm sure once folks start seeing uh this the the full comic, um, just based upon the preview pages alone. Um I, I envision you're going to be very busy in the future. So. I
1: hope so. I hope so. That's
0: a dream. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to let uh, listeners know, either of you?
2: Um, just, I, guess, I think just really excited to be bringing this story out. Image seems like the perfect place for it. Lauren, your art seems to have just been the perfect vehicle for it. Sophie's Colors, I just think, i feel so proud of what we've been able to make mm. and and my mom likes it so <laughs> it's gotta be good oh it's right? a good yeah. star <laughs> yeah M- mom's
0: seal of approval <laughs> <laughs> oh well this has been uh absolutely uh fantastic um i appreciate both of you being available uh to do this i'll make sure to to tag you when we uh when we uh you know release the episode but um for anyone listening if you haven't yet i hope you've gone out and added uh golden rage to uh your pull list i think it's going to be a big comic that a lot of folks are talking about and um i can't thank chrissy and lauren enough for being on the podcast today um uh, thank you both and for comic book yeti this has been jimmy gasparo uh, thanks for listening and i will uh, see you next time bye everybody this is byron o'neill one of your hosts of the cryptic creator corner brought to
2: you by comic book yeti we hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast please rate review subscribe all that good stuff it lets us know
0: how we're doing and more importantly how we can improve Thanks for listening.
1: If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy
2: our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.